This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead with the Moorhead team, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got Megan Flake on here, a realtor in Austin, but also an investor way before she was a realtor. And she's going to tell you all about her strategies to invest in real estate in Austin and how she's making it work for her. Hey, Megan, how are you? Hey, Jordan, I'm doing great. And you? Great to have on here. I'm doing great. I am actually recording this while on an extended vacation in La Paz, Mexico, so I don't have anything to complain about. I love that. That's fantastic. What a great way to mix work and play. Yeah. Yep. Uh, some of the perks of real estate investing and house hacking and all the stuff that makes real estate investing awesome. You know, we don't we don't have much of a mortgage payment. We have passive income that allows us to do stuff like this. So I'm pretty happy. That's excellent. That's that's really great. I mean, that's one of the big perks of investing in real estate, isn't it? Yeah, love it. So real quick, Megan, who are you and how are you involved with real estate investing in Austin? Great. I am Megan Flake. I have been investing in real estate for 14 years, um, Austin real estate for seven years, and I am a real estate agent as of 2021. That's awesome. Um, so you said you've been investing in real estate for 14 years but you've been investing in Austin for seven years. Uh, there's so much press about Austin. There's so much talk about Austin being so expensive and, oh, you can't invest here and you can't do that. Clearly, you've been doing it for seven years. So why do you choose to invest in Austin yourself? Great question. Um, I really enjoy the appreciation that comes with investing in Austin real estate. Um, of course, getting in seven years ago, I've gotten to realize a lot of that um, appreciation. And, you know, uh, two or three years, I can refinance my properties and go buy another property in one of the other states that I'm invested in. Awesome. I love that strategy because I'm also doing some of that myself. So where else are you investing? So you're investing in Austin for mostly appreciation. Mm -hmm. Where else are you investing for other goals and why? I am investing in Greenville, South Carolina and Pensacola, Florida. So um, this is my, uh, Austin is my um, appreciation um, um, standing, Greenville, South Carolina and Pensacola, Florida, I'm there for cash flow. So I personally don't have all of my stocks in uh, tech companies and I don't have all of my real estate in one state. I believe that diversifying your portfolio is just as important in real estate as it is in uh, stocks and bonds. Yeah, I love that. And I think a lot of people get into real estate investing for cash flow because they either don't like their job or they, they want some passive income so they don't have to rely on their job. But it's a really interesting strategy that you're going after because you're saying, hey, I want both, but where can I get either or? of these. And a lot of times I get, I'm sure you do. I get people to reach out to me and say, Hey, I want both right away. 
You know, I want appreciation and I want cash flow. And that's why I want to invest in Austin. Um, and Austin can have cash flow. It just needs to be more creative strategies, so short-term rentals, monthly rentals, um, bigger rehab projects, but it's easier to get appreciation in Austin. And what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I'm going to get this appreciation in Austin. I'm going to build a bunch of equity. And I'm going to move this equity elsewhere through refinances, which is awesome. Are you still holding on to the properties you have in Austin? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, I still plan to hold on to them. They, uh, they're not large cash flowing properties. Um, I think our property taxes in, in Austin are just always going to be a little bit of an uphill battle as far as, uh, you know, getting a really great cash flow in Austin, but, um, it, uh, it serves a purpose and, um, the, the strategy is to, is to keep myself from being, um, too overexposed in one market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, let's say, God forbid, you know, the Austin market takes a nosedive, which I absolutely don't think is going to happen. But let's say worst case scenario, you lose 40% of the value of your home. For you, you've already taken a lot of that equity out and put it to work somewhere else. You just hold on to that home until the value comes back up. You really don't lose anything. Um, so many so many people worry about that kind of stuff too. And I think you've you found the best way to get around it. So I'm just going to take that equity out, put it to work elsewhere, make me some cash flow, and let it keep appreciating in Austin, which is crazy appreciation these last couple of years. So the fact that you started seven years ago, um, yeah, that's hard to even fathom how much, what is it about? Probably 100% in seven years? Um, about three. 300%. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's about 300% is my current, um, is my current appreciation on that, uh, on the value of that home. Um, you know, for about six years, we had three, um, my husband and I had three, uh, investment properties in Pensacola, Florida, mm -hmm. and it was really nerve wracking every time a hurricane would come through the Gulf of Mexico. And we were just, um, we were nervous and it felt like we were overexposed. And so, um, the, the first one that we got that was not in Pensacola, Florida was in Austin, Texas. And, uh, we really got to see the difference between, um, a greatly appreciating market versus a, um, a better cash flowing market. So, uh, there was a lot of value to be had in being both markets. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to spread your risk. If you're going to say, I'm going to be heavy in real estate, maybe pick one or two or three markets that are all kind of different. You know, Austin is a massive growth market. Uh, maybe Greenville is more of a cash flow market. Pensacola is more of a cash flow market. So you can get everything you want. Um, obviously, you're a pretty savvy real estate investor at this point. What initially attracted you to real estate investing 14 years ago? Great. Uh, I got started in my early 20s. Two of my friends and I, we were reading a lot of um, books on investing. Um, we went through uh, a few Rich Dad, Poor Dads. We played the Rich Dad, Poor Dad game in the uh, after hours in one of my friend's father's um, 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 insurance offices. And there was like eight of us trying to win the rat race. Um, but we were too broke to all buy the same book. So what we would do is we would read the book 
and then we would mail exchange or however the the physical book or the book on cd at the time to the next person and it was the worst book club ever because you had to wait about three months before you could actually discuss the book with everybody else but we did a lot of mindset books as well um we did good to great hard violent excellence um if you don't have big breasts where your head hair and pigtails which is uh Barbara, long before she was ever on Shark Tank. So oh, we were really cool. reading her before she was cool and like actually on a major network show. Um, but that got me interested and having a couple of other people who are trying to figure out money with me is what sparked my interest. So you had a mastermind going on essentially. We, you know, I, I had never thought about it that way um, and I had never coined it as that before, but we did. We absolutely did. Um, we now each own investment properties. Um, my first one I bought 14 years ago. Um, I did a lot of reading on um, how to purchase a property with zero to little money out of my pocket. And so I um, used the city's first time home buyer program. And then I got a bond from the county so that my um, my interest rate was half a point lower or was a two points lower than what I would have qualified for. And I had roommate uh, lined up to pay 70% of my mortgage before I was before I closed in the house. So um, I didn't know it was house hacking at the time, mm -hmm. but uh, I was strategic and moving forward. Um, and then a year later, I met um, who is now my husband, who also had a house that he had two roommates paying his mortgage. And we each had our net worths on spreadsheets and we had rich dad, poor dad on the shelf. And it was like finding two unicorns um, in, in the wild that uh, were interested in their net worth and um, growing their wealth through real estate and other investments. That's awesome. So you, you got into house hacking before it obviously even had any sort of term to it. Uh, just out of curiosity and for those listening, I know interest rates are extremely low right now. I just got a 2.5% interest rate on another house I bought to move into. What was your first interest rate 14 years ago, if you remember? It was um, the first and second ones were 4.8 and 5.2. And I don't remember which one is which, but um, yeah. Pretty good. I mean, I, I bought one in 2018, 4.875. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you worked the system well there and got your interest rate reduction from the county. We did. Yep, I sure did. It was uh, a strategy play and um, wasn't exactly sure what I was getting into, but I, um, I felt pretty confident that I was going to move forward. So that was at the um, peak of the uh, before the housing correction. So for the next few years, I definitely got to see the housing correction kind of uh, steal some of my equity out of from underneath me. And um, but, uh, you know, my husband and I rented out one of the houses fully, moved into the other house. Um, in 2009, we decided to rent out both houses and double down in real estate, even though it was still continuing to drop. And um, 
because we were the same mindset, we went out and bought another house and we bought a foreclosure that was new construction, um, which is just crazy because this is what 2009 was. I mean, you can buy foreclosures, new construction, and we got a VA loan for it um, because my husband is retired Navy. Um, you can't get VA loans for, um, <laughs> for foreclosures very often. Um, it's just not something because the, the regulations that you need to go through for that government-backed loan. Um, I remember the house had a couple of just really strange things that it didn't have screens in the windows. So one weekend we were out there billing and putting together screens to put in the windows so that it would qualify for the VA loan. And oh. um, they were not pretty screens and we don't build screens for our houses anymore. <laughs> screens are not easy to build. I've seen them built before and I could not do it myself. So you, you also did something that I think is an awesome way to get a home under market value with low down payment loans. You went and you said, hey, there's these things that need to pass the VA standards. I've done that with FHA loans. I've had clients do that with FHA loans. We're either going to pay somebody to go do it. We're going to have the seller go do it. In this case, the foreclosure, the seller's not going to do anything. Um, or we're just going to go do it. We were in a duplex in East Austin that I closed FHA, painting it a week before closing to get it past the FHA appraisal. And... That kind of stuff, while it's annoying, you don't want to do any work on a house you don't own, I never recommend it, it can make you a ton of money. So you guys went out there and you replaced the screens and got a great deal just because you're willing to replace the screens and somebody else probably wasn't. So I love that. I think a lot of what you've done too, it seems like you've always surrounded yourself with people with similar mindsets and that are going to support your goals and encourage you to pursue your goals. I think that's so powerful, that mastermind effect that you had from your friends and having your husband, who's also interested in tracking his net worth and buying rental properties, probably got you so much further than you ever would have gotten on your own. Uh, not to discount anything you've done, but I just love the mastermind effect of having other people around me, they're going to support me and lift me up and tell me, hey, go do that. That sounds like a good idea. Rather than don't go out there and replace those screens. You don't want to do that. The seller should do that. Yeah, well, um, thank you for that. I I do um, appreciate the the people that really brought me into my origin story, and it was good to have people to talk through the ideas and concepts in the books that we were reading. Mm -hmm. It's um, you know not not every household um, talks about money growing up, and so having people that was a safe place to talk about money where um, discussing your finances or your goals isn't a taboo subject is really important. And I really appreciate what you're doing on this podcast because you're bringing the discussion of, of um, money and real estate to a larger forum. And it's a very needed um, discussion to have in our society. Yeah. And I think there's so many ways to have a, a mastermind. You know, you could join a local mastermind or just join a national mastermind or just listen to podcasts or get some friends together and play the cash flow game. Uh, we, we actually have that game play it ourselves a lot, but that kind of stuff is so easy and it's so powerful. 
and you just you're on a real estate team full of people that are all pursuing the same thing so you've got an awesome mastermind there you know with wendy and warren and all those other people who are all saying hey let's go out and invest in real estate let's build our wealth and if you don't do it nobody's going to do it for you so it's great that you're out there getting it done I do. Yeah. I, uh, I was pretty intentional about which real estate team I was looking to, uh, to join. And since I had, um, purchased, I had already been a customer of the, um, of my real estate team before I joined it, I, um, got to watch the progress and, um, growth of the real estate team here for the past seven years. And um, it made my decision and my intentionality um, pretty easy, really an, an easy decision. Awesome. So back to Austin Real Estate, could you give our listeners some advice on how to avoid a bad deal in Austin or just something to avoid in Austin when you're looking at rental real estate here? Oh, sure. Um, the the shout out to my real estate team. I, I'm on the Pavson Path. Papazan Properties Group team, um, and I'm their investor agent. So I take primarily investor clients. Um, and one of the things that I discuss with my clients is to know your numbers, because there's a lot of story to be had in the numbers. And when you're investing, it's less of an emotional decision, and it's really a spreadsheet decision. Yeah, I love that. I think. It's easy to get caught up in emotions, even with investment properties. So I always tell my clients, hey, every investment property I own, every week I'm wondering after I'm under contract, is it going to close? I, the last one I just bought was an investment property. I remember leaving the closing table saying, oh, I hope nothing happens. It's like, I own the property. What am I worried about? It's, it's mine. I signed on the dotted line. I'm good to go. But I never stop having emotions about it until I've owned it for a little while. But it's easy to get emotionally tied up in a property, especially after you put in that offer. And if they come back and say, hey, will you come up 30 or 40 grand? If the numbers work, great. But it's so easy to say, wow, you know, I really like this property. I really wanted it. I've envisioned owning it. I've envisioned running it. You know, this, this is the one. Uh, it's even easier to get tied up with vacation rental type properties that you might use a little bit yourself. So I love your advice there. Make sure the numbers work. Make sure you're really intentional. And if this is the, the limit, this is the limit. You can't go above it. And if you do that over time, you're going to be really successful. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge, a member of the GoBundance community, and now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Well, I, I think my background in corporate America really helps with this. Um, I was in sourcing with General Electric for a few years. And um, as far as negotiating $100 million contracts with uh, companies all over the world, um, at the end of the day, when you're sitting at the negotiation table, you need to know what your bottom line is and what your walking away point is. And so getting a really clear um number in your mind of what needs to work really helps me 
um, disassociate my emotions from the process. And so uh, because I was considered a bulldog negotiator at GE, um, I, I feel like that's really where I shine um, when I have my clients at the uh, negotiation table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, the walk away number is so important. If you don't know what your the, the top number is, I can't go above this. I think you're in a lot of trouble. A lot of people say, well, you know, I ran the numbers and it works really well at this number. And they get in the negotiations and they don't have that that other number they don't have that walk away number if you don't have that you can make bad decisions but i really like your advice there um obviously you work with a ton of new investors in austin megan what's a piece of advice you give somebody when they call you and say hey i'm i'm in california or i'm in new york or somewhere up north and i'm looking to invest in austin great I ask what their top five criteria are. There's a lot of drilling down to know what the end game is. Um, if we're looking to invest um, because we need to put money in something to, uh, uh, to realize a loss for our tax purposes, then um, we can definitely do that. Uh, if we're looking for appreciation, this is a fantastic market. Um, if we're looking for cash flow, you're going to need to be gritty and being able to make a decision very, very quickly. So um, there are definitely deals to be had in Austin. I feel like there is some uh, some a myth going around that you can't cash flow in Austin, and it just takes it takes some grit. It takes being a little bit wily, and uh, you know possibly painting that house that you don't own or putting on some, some screens and some windows um, and just being able to be flexible about what that looks like. Um, and I don't want to say that you don't have criteria because having criteria is hugely important um, and you should still have that criteria. But at the same time, I, I really need a, uh, I think you're going to need to have some some fast decision making skills and to get a little uncomfortable with um, uh, a little comfortable with being uncomfortable as far as um, what that deal is going to look like. Yeah, I love the, one of the last things you said there too about fast decision making skills. I think in your head when you're putting that offer on the property, it's hey, I'm buying this for this price. So if you're you just say hey, I love the property, the numbers work, let's put an offer on it. You have a lot of outs in the contract. So just because you put an offer out there and got an offer accepted doesn't mean that you can't walk away. And we have the option period. We have your financing contingency. We have an appraisal contingency. And there's like 21 outs in the Texas contract. So you know, put offers out there at numbers that work, like you said, and you're going to be successful. But to be successful, you need to see properties and you need to put offers on properties and you're gonna to need to lose some offers. So if you've got that quick decision-making power, that's so powerful in this market because in the Austin real estate market in 2021, if you need a few days to think about it, you're in trouble. You get a couple, unfortunately, the successful people look at a property, say, okay, I've already run the numbers. I like the way this property looks. I'm going to put an offer on it. I know what I could do here. I could repaint this. I could fix this. 
put the offer out there. You know, if you lose, too bad. But if you win, great. You've got outs even if you don't need the property or the numbers don't work after a more thorough analysis. Um, but yeah, that's hard to do. It's hard to have quick decision-making power when you're buying a house, especially if you're new. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're new and out of state. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know anything about Austin. I'm sure you get the same questions. I get people that call me and say, what area should I invest in? My, my, I restate the question. I say, Hey, it's not really what area should you invest in? It's what area shouldn't you invest in? There's not many areas that I personally wouldn't invest in in Austin. I can't think of really any, it's not a dangerous city. We don't have high crime. We don't have a lot of murders or anything like that. Um, we do have areas that are really close to downtown. They're still kind of dirty and are gentrifying like crazy. So it, it might not be the area you'd want to buy your dream home in, but it might be the perfect area to invest in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you, Megan? Do you have some long-term goals or really a vision of where your real estate investing and, and sales career is going to go? Yeah, I'm going to continue to work with um, with investors and um, both find, finding their investment properties and their personal properties, because I think there's some great discussions to be had um, with people who are buying a property and, you know, turning the question back on, like, how long do you see yourself in this house? Is this a three-year house, a five-year house, a 10-year house? this is a five-year house. Are you considering keeping this when you move up? Because that's a great way to, um, to begin your real estate investment game. And I think there's a lot of people who are hungry to have that decision, to have that conversation. Um, and I think having um, um, an agent who can talk about the um, uh, cap rates and the ROI and the cash on cash returns is a really valuable asset. Um, when you're talking with people about, when you're talking with a real estate agent about investing um, or even house hacking and looking at it in the future. For me, my personal, um, my personal goals is I'm going to continue to um, house hack. I enjoy moving into houses, um, getting some equity into them, and then moving again. Uh, so I think I have one, maybe two moves left before I'm just settled and no longer uh, moving up. But I also do purchase some because when I'm purchasing at a state, I'm not, um, uh, I'm purchasing straight as a investment property. So I'm going to continue to purchase in the three states that I'm in. Um, I'm considering doing a 1031 and starting to uh, burr. You're familiar with the buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. Um, so we're looking at the numbers to see about burring and probably doing two houses a year that way. Um, uh, we're also considering getting into commercial real estate and doing a triple net land lease um, because I no longer manage my rental properties. I fired myself as a landlady a little while ago. And um, the uh, in my mind, the next level of being even more hands-off is having the um, having having even less to do with my property managers in the three states. So, managing the property managers, but um, 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm considering a uh, triple net land lease, so looking at commercial real estate. Awesome. Yeah, it seems like the, uh, a lot of people get started. I'm going to buy a few houses here and there, and then I'm going to buy a duplex or a fourplex, and and then we get up into the commercial space. Uh, yeah, I do love the burst strategy myself. We do a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. Some in Austin, some out of state, and again, that's where I place a, a lot of my equity. The interesting thing about the burst strategy is once you've built up all this equity in Austin, you've started to put it to play somewhere else. If you can do it well, you're not really needing to put much more money to work over there. So uh, we've gotten to the point now where we're really not putting more money into the machine. Um, and it's taken a little bit. It's taken being very intentional about it. But now I'm having to try to find other places to put money to work, which is such a bad problem to have. That's a great problem to have. Yeah. I love that problem. Those are my favorite kind of problems to have. Yeah. Yeah. So um, love Burr, love more passive investing strategies like triple net. Um, but I think, you know, all that started off of building great equity in Austin, you know, and just being intentional about investing over time over and over and over. And that's how you have those options. I think it's easy to listen to a podcast like this and say, that's where I want to be right now. Uh, maybe that's not a right now thing. You know, maybe it takes a few years to get to. Maybe you buy a house every year in Austin for five years or six years, but you have a ton of equity to put to work elsewhere. And in six years, you're saying, well, I've got so much equity here at play. What do I want to do? And you don't have that if you don't do anything. Equity is really important for the net worth standing. It is. We just, um, I think we Austin investors sometimes overlook that that's not happening in all of the markets. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really, uh, it's really impactful because there's very little that you need to do once you have purchased the real estate, you can just buy and watch it grow. Um, So I really love that. I love that the, uh, you're putting the burst strategy into place and you're not adding any more money to the machine. Um, it's genius. It's, it's lovely. I love it. Yeah. All I did was just listen to some podcasts over time. So anybody can do anything they want to do. I think if you're looking to invest in Austin, just getting started is the biggest first step. And then you can figure out what am I going to do next? I talked to a lot of people that are struggling to buy that first house or first house hack in Austin. I think if we can just get over that, that that hurdle of that first deal, everything gets easier past that. And if you do it in Austin, you build a ton of equity. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. Absolutely. The November, November year over year um, rental increase for Austin was 20.5%. That's, that's huge. Where else are we raising rent 20% a year? So it's, it's gains like that, that really allow us to actually, um, you know, increase our cash flow. Um, But yeah, if you can, if you can look at it that way and think that um, the national average of of rent increases usually matches the um, national average of, of inflation of about 3%. Um, Austin's on the high end. Um, 
in past years. I know that 2021 was definitely an interesting blip for 20% rent increase. But uh, if you can think about the first year or two in Austin and have your cash flow goal be meager, you know, if, if you're making $100, $150 a month in cash flow, just know that the rents are lagged and there's a lot of opportunity to continue to ride that wave as the rents continue to increase. Um, you have a lot of opportunity in year two and three and five. Yeah. And that's just such a great thing about real estate is time is our best friend. So the longer you hold on to it, the better it gets. So all you got to do is buy and hold and you're good. You know, don't buy and try to sell in a year always and make money in Austin. You've been blowing it out of the water if you bought and sold a year later, but think if you bought and just didn't sell how much more that property be worth, you can refinance, you can raise your rents, you can do all that stuff and you're still cash flowing and you've got your money out and you could go do something else. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's so many more options to, to buy and hold. I think, um, you know, flipping has a, a large timing aspect to it. And I know I relate a lot of it to investing in stocks, but so does day trading. I mean, like you have to be really good about, about timing. Um, and I am not interested in, in flipping real estate for the same reason that I don't want to day trade. I just, I want to be able to purchase it and just let it ride for a while. Yeah. Yep. Same thing. I'm not, not into trying to time things because I know I'm probably going to be wrong. So it's easy just to buy and hold. That's right. So Megan, you know, we talked a lot about mindset earlier on here. Do you have a favorite book that's helped shift your mindset that you recommend to people? Um, I have to go with the classic because it definitely broke my mind um, and propelled me into jumping in and buying that first house. So I'm going to have to go with rich dad, poor dad. Uh, it's, it, it gets a lot of recognition for, for a great reason. Um, uh, this year books that I enjoyed, um, I think I read rich dad, 20, uh, rich dad, poor dad in 2007, 2006. Um, this year, the two books that really I enjoyed a lot was the psychology of money. Um, Morgan Housel was a great columnist when he wrote for Motley Fool, and I followed Motley Fool for a really long time. So when he wrote a book, I was all about it. Um, and then Range by David Epstein was also a great book that I read this year. So his, his tagline underneath the book is, um, in a world of um, specialist, be a generalist. So that one I really appreciated as well. I'll have to check that out. I've not read Range. Uh I love the psychology of money. I actually saw Morgan Housel speak at a GoBundance event. Uh, mm -hmm. Not only is he a great author, he's a great speaker. So really, really, really good book for anybody that hasn't read The Psychology of Money. Agreed, 100%. Love it. Uh, Megan, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach you? Uh, yeah, I'm on um, Instagram at um, Megan E. Ball or Megan Flake. Um, we will give you that link for the show notes, mm -hmm. um, is my maiden name and I never changed my Instagram account, kind of held on to it. It's a legacy account. Um, and Facebook, I'm at, uh, Megan Flake as well. It's F L A K E. Awesome. 
Um, and do you have an email we could get out here for the guests? And also we'll put all this stuff in the show notes, guys. Just want to make sure that you're able to get it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, Megan at papazanproperties.com. Awesome. So reach out to Megan if you're looking to invest in Austin or just learn about what she's doing investing in Austin. And I'm sure she'd love to help. I sure would. Megan, last question, most important question I ask in the podcast here. What's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Uh, a great question. I love this question in your podcast. It's uh, It gives me so many great ideas about where I need to be going for date night. So I truly appreciate this question of yours. Um, you know, Warren Buffett says, if you believe in something, invest in it. And so uh, my favorite restaurant is Chewy's, and I've also bought stock. Oh, really? <laughs> Awesome. Yes. Yes. It's such a classic. I love it. He lives that so well to himself. Every brand that Warren loves was Coca-Cola, Seas Candies. There's a couple other food related brands that, that they own the majority stake of. So I think that same thing applies to Austin. I always tell people that they say, well, do you think it's going to keep, keep growing? I said, hey, do you think it's going to keep growing? The answer is always a resounding, yeah, absolutely I do. You know, Tesla's moving here. Apple's moving their big campus here. Samsung's moving a big development here. And then Amazon's now bringing more people. It's just every week we get all sorts of announcements of this big tech company is moving more of their employees and more of their operations to Austin. How is it not going to keep growing? And Yeah, they're not making more land in Austin. No. Absolutely not. And we have a ton of space to grow too. It's still a relatively small city. I think that's easy to forget. It is, especially million. considering the other cities in Texas and how big they are. I mean, yeah. we're, we're relatively a small city for, for Texas, but the, I mean, San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas are just juggernauts for the whole country. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to see what Austin holds. Megan, thank you so much for coming on here today. Again, if anybody wants to reach out to Megan, Megan at pepsandproperties.com and it's Megan Flake on Facebook. I can't remember your Instagram, I'm sorry. That's great. It's, uh, it's Megan E. Ball. E is an echo, ball is in a basketball. Easy, awesome. Yeah. Anybody wants to reach out to Megan, reach out to her. Again, Megan, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, Jordan. Bye.